Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from X-Growth. Each episode, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fails, and what's working for them in the market. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. That's right, you can rate on Spotify now and share the pod with a friend. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack to connect with our members. That's enough from me. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth. And today I'm talking to Suren Neal, Senior Director of Marketing APJ at Twilio, about how should marketers redefine their approach to customer engagement? What are some of the examples you can look up to? And what are some of the mistakes you should avoid? On that note, let's dive in. Siren, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, Shahin. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Let's dive right in. I wanna I wanna first know customer engagement. How do you define that? Like what does that mean for you? I think uh, you know, customer engagement really fundamentally is ultimately the relationship that customers have with a particular brand, right? It's how they interact, how they communicate with one another and and how they add value to each other. So, you know, it's a buzzword, but it's it's such a basic and primal definition of, of what it really truly is. And and do you think about do you think about it as um do you think about it as the complete experience or do you, you know, kind of talk about it? I know some people talk about customer experience after kind of prospects turn into customers and hey how do we manage them or do you even take the take that into consideration before they kind of sign on the dotted line and become a customer that's a great question i i firmly believe that it is through the entire process right it's it's not about them becoming a customer it's about how they perceive you from a brand perspective right so you know in the in the marketing terms we talk about that funnel Right, we talk about the top of the funnel, middle, but b- bottom of the funnel, and everything. And and I firmly believe that customer engagement is in the entirety of the entire funnel, and it even goes to the level be beyond the bottom of the funnel, which is in terms of retention and advocacy as well. So I'm a big fan of this inverted funnel. I, to me, that is the holy grail of what marketing really needs to be and how we should regard customer engagement overall. How we how they perceive our brand right through till they sign the dotted line, they use us, they continue to engage with us, they service our customers, and hopefully become advocates for your brand. Got it. Got it. What are some when it comes to customer engagement, right? Because of your position, I really want to know what are some of the differences that you see across different regions? You know, you being being having APJ under under your umbrella, you have anything anything from India to Australia to Singapore to Japan, which is an extremely diverse geography. How do you see customer engagement uh, across these different geographies? I think that Asia Pacific is a fascinating region. In in the course of my career, I've actually done marketing for outside of the Asia Pacific and global capacities as well as in, in the Americas as well. And and I think what's fascinating about APAC is it is not only the largest, right, of the entire world's population, like about 60% of the world's population sit in Asia Pacific itself. 
And it's also the diversity of the region as well, right? So diversity of languages, cultures, mindsets, how they communicate through communication channels like you know, with WeChat and WhatsApp and Kakao Talk. You know, so I, I think that's like a really fascinating grounds for customer engagement because those channels are critical to what they prefer. And then beyond that, if we as, as we start to think about the Asia-Pacific region, they are also from a demographic perspective or the composition of this population is they're relatively young. So you're talking about the world's probably from a population perspective, youngest population. And, and a lot of this is about then with this younger population, there's a certain generation. And what are preferences of this particular generation? Uh, I think that in some research that we've seen, you know, we, we know that by 2030, the working population in Asia Pacific is going to skyrocket, right? And in contrast to like North America and Europe as well. And it's going to build out this entire new middle class in the world. And and so in this mid this this big middle class that is growing is also mobile first in our region, right? Compared to a lot of the other regions in in the Americas or even in Europe. And so it influences the way that they consume media, how they also want to interact with brands through technology, their preferences to be able to adopt technology and digital platforms, especially through mobile. And, uh, and I think one of the ways that we've seen, is like, so we take ourselves back from not only consumer perspective, but a business perspective. So in the B2B world, when we, when we surveyed our B2B customers, right? We actually did at Twilio a, a survey called the State of Customer Engagement Report. It's, a, it's an annual survey that we've done that's done globally. And what's fascinating to see about our Asia-Pacific region is the rate of adoption for digital transformation. The pace is so much faster in APAC than different parts of the world that we've surveyed. And, uh, and I think that they've even reported it to be as fast as accelerating by seven years you know, due to the pandemic, which is mind-boggling if you think about that, right? Every, I mean, digital transformation existed already, but then with the pandemic, it just fast-tracked everything and it has fast outpaced a lot of the rest of the global region in Asia-Pacific. And so I think that uh, there's a greater sense of importance that people are starting to see in Asia-Pacific. They're taking it very, very seriously. And uh, the survey has even told us that many companies in Asia-Pacific are committed and they want to continue to increase their investment in customer engagement vis-a-vis the other regions. That's fascinating. With all of this, right, so I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the technology aspect of this. How does that come into place, especially with, with customer engagement? Where do you see the technology fit, a technology piece fitting into the spectrum of customer engagement? Because we're talking about digital transformation, and I feel like that is becoming, you know, obviously technology was a big part of it and everybody's been talking about it, but specifically with customer engagement, what are your thoughts on that? I think that technology is the key enabler and platform to level the playing field for businesses, you know, uh, alike, right? So it gives businesses this edge. So whether they are digital first startup companies, you know, like, moving into this future and disrupting their marketplace or to legacy companies who essentially have legacy systems that they need to then 
transform to future-proof and compete with all these disruptors that you're starting to see right in our marketplace. And technology is really the 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 platform that really de- democratizes how small, medium, large enterprises can all play the same game. I think with all these advances uh, in communication tools, you know, and data processing platforms, right, using machine learning and AI, it just automatically launches us into a whole new era of what customer engagement can be, right? And what's important, I think the holy grail towards this is enabling that personalization at scale. And it's not something that only a big conglomerate enterprise company can do and invest and achieve, but it's right down to the level of even a small company or a small medium enterprise or, or, or startup is able to then position themselves to be ahead of this game and, and play in that same field with the big guys. So I think technology is, is, has opened up a completely new world for the world of marketing and customer engagement. And it's all about the channels. It's not just about the channels. It goes beyond that. It goes down to the data processing. It's all the data that you amass and have the ability to at, uh, translate into contextual awareness with ease. You know, that is really, truly the huge linchpin in this game. That's so fascinating. I, I want to ask you, what do you kind of see the future of customer engagement? Because obviously Twilio is extremely active in the space. I mean, you, especially with some of the acquisitions as well, some of the big ones like SendGrid and, and Segment, just that, that moat behind, around uh, Twilio has become even stronger. And with the, you, we also talked about the population where in, in, in kind of 20, 2030, we're going to have a completely different, in the region at least, completely different middle class. What do you see happening to customer engagement in the next five to 10 years? You know, I, I think what's important uh, when we start to think about the future of what customer engagement is, is to first start to think about, all right, so what is going to be the expectations of our customers in the future? Like what to them is expected to be good customer experience with the companies or the brands that they have interacted or they interact with, right? And so first we start to think about the fact that customers want to be able to be engaged at the right channels at the right time in the way that they like, right? And that would also include like, I don't want to wait on a call for somebody to pick up the phone. I want self-gratification, instant service, self-service access in real time to be able to get what I want, converse in what I need, and to, to handle whatever that needs to be done. And they also want the ability to ensure that, you know, when I come to you, right, you know me. I'm not going to spend another 10 minutes explaining to you what the problem that I have is. But the fact that I've already reached out to you, I've surfaced this question, I've surfaced this need, and somebody else picks up and, and is able to address it and knows my issues, knows me, knows who I am, and is able to provide that empathetic communication that is personalized back to me. And then the other thing is, you know, like I, it's all about building that value and trust with customers. And that's something that's always going to be important to us, right? So 
as we start to move into that first party data world, for example, you know, like you didn't need to show me as a customer that I am able to trust you and that you show value back to me in and, and give me good reasons why I should interact with you, give you my data, you know, and that I trust that you're going to respect me in how you manage my data as you manage all of that. And so I think that's what customers are going to start to expect you know, that new level. And so what does this mean for businesses, right? Then it means that to be able to then strive towards that future, businesses have to think about the bones that they're going to be building with your platform to be able to serve that up because that doesn't happen by itself. We would love that magic wand, but it doesn't quite exist. And so you've got to build towards that. And, and so businesses would need to think about okay, how do I best customize to what my business needs and my customers? Because one size really doesn't fit all. And, and that your system is integrated well into a CRM, a communication channel, into your data platform, so that you have that, that I know you, my customer, and what your needs are, the ability to be uh, in place. And also, you know, then you need to empower your teams, right? Let's not forget that that you have to empower your frontline teams, especially to be able to have access to this personalized context, you know, from a customer support to sales and marketing teams so that they can work that channel and really deliver the experience. And I think what's really exciting for Twilio is, you know, Twilio's, you know, as we start to think about what that future of customer engagement is, the way that we think about technology is how we then gear ourselves with this data first approach. You know, we, we call this the Twilio customer engagement platform, right? It's an overall data-first approach, first beginning from the foundational level of, you know, a customer data platform, right, our CDP, and for personalization, so which is also the reason, like, what you brought up about our acquisition of segment, and, and, and the ability to then leverage uh, segment, for example, to bring all that data together across the business silos, you know, from CRM to data warehousing to information to logistics to to then serve up on web and mobile touch points and e-commerce, etc. So everything is just clean, actionable, personalized to the customer, but yet attainable, feasible, and empowering to your own team to to deliver. It sounds like it's going to be a lot smoother in the future than it is now, and and there's going to be a lot less hoops that I have to jump over in order to get something done. Who do you think is doing a really awesome job right now? And, and you know, I don't think it needs to be B2B or B2C. I think B2B companies learn a lot from B2C. But who are some of the companies that you see that are doing some really cool stuff right now in the market? I, you know, I, I can think of many great examples. I, I think what's so interesting about the pandemic is that it's also unleashed a whole new world for different companies, you know, a different types of, different level of urgency to, to really rethink how they do this. But I, I think from a global level, right, I immediately what comes to my mind are companies like Amazon and Netflix. Right? I think they have set a really gold standard to how, this gets served up and at huge enterprise global scale. So for example, like, you know, I I have 
I have three Amazon accounts, right? One for Singapore, one for the US, and actually one for Australia. And it's fascinating because every time I go in, my Amazon homepage is different from maybe yours, Shaheen. And, and the same goes to Netflix. I, I, you know, like all the recommendations that I have based on my preferences is different from even what my husband has at home, even though we're, we have the same account, but we're a different user. And everything's all served out in this huge, you know, real-time manner and all that. And then, like as I mentioned to you, when I think about also how how organizations have responded to the pandemic, because I think that was a huge, huge wake up call about a new reality that is not going away. And and I think about regional uh, companies like Electrolux, for example, right? We talk about leg- legacy businesses who are really looking at changing their way that they they work. And I remember, you know, in, in in speaking with uh, our, you know, Electrolux, who actually is a Twilio customer, you know, when the pandemic and lockdowns hit and, and it completely meant that there are no contact center agents who can serve any customer, you know, because they can't go into the office and do their work. So that causes like huge disruption to not only the business, but also to the customer experience, right? And so I think they what they did was they spun around really quickly and decisively. They worked on building a completely cloud-based setup with Twilio Flex uh, contact center, you know, to allow their agents and their contact centers in Thailand and Vietnam and Malaysia and New Zealand and Australia to just spin around and work from home and yet have all the necessary and relevant customer engagement, uh, customer information from one single dashboard. You know, like I, everything happened quickly. And, and I thought that was such a phenomenal way that, you know, a good case of, right, decisive, action and speed. Another organization that I thought about is not a company, but really an organization. But but to me, I, I think it's important because, you know, it's all about the community and that's Lifeline on Australia. So they're a nonprofit organization. And with, you know, it's been a difficult time for many of us in the world uh, over the last couple of years. And I think one of the things that Lifeline Australia did was you know, with all the lockdowns and shutdowns that have happened, they were not able to have people, volunteers, support other people when they call in and seek help. And so I think a really meaningful way that, for example, the Twilio technology was used to to circumvent that was really was working with them and helping them to have that cloud-based contact center, contact center solution that just allows for all these volunteers to then work safely from home and continue to provide that essential 24-hour crisis support and helpline to to help people who are suicidal, right? And I think that if those were the things that are meaningful and that matter, right, business aside, these are the moments that truly matter to the people when they need it. So, So those are some of the great examples, tons of other great examples, but, you know, here are just a couple. Those are, yeah, some of those examples, even though now we take it for granted, now we take, you know, of course, they're going to be working from home. Of course, they're, that's the infrastructure and, and their their agents should be working from home. And, and now, two years in, it's, we, you know, we're like, that's, that's, it is the new norm, quote unquote, for those who are hearing this. But it is, it, it was, I'm sure, and, and it's still, it's a fascinating thing to, to get to that point. And making sure that it operates smoothly. I mean, some of these businesses have been operating on, on their current business models for such a long time. And it's, and it's a well-oiled machine. And it's, you know, it's been perfected over time. 
And having to operate all of that and completely switch to a new model and making sure that it still operates so smoothly in such a short period of time is fascinating. What are some of the, this is the last question I want to ask on, on customer engagement. What are some of the mistakes that you see marketers and companies make when it comes to customer engagement? This is a great, great question. <laughs> and it's actually one that I think about because I'm like, okay, let's make sure we try to avoid all of this. I think mistake number one is forgetting to be customer-centric. You know, sometimes as marketers or, or, or salespeople or companies, right, we're so busy trying to pitch our wares that we lose sight of the problems that, that, are, uh, that our customers need to solve. You know, all the pain points that they need to get over, you know, and also how they want to be communicated. And, and also to think about what helps them get ahead of their game. Right. So I think that it is always critical for us to remember to wear those customer shoes and be extremely insightful in thinking about thinking with them about ways to add value. Right. How do we then help them to get better? How do we bring more meaningful impact to their customers? Right. And serve that up. And so being customer centric is key. The next one that I can think of is. I mean, it's to your point too, right? Like sometimes businesses, they are so ingrained in the way that they work that, mm. you know, when the huge disruption hits and what happens, right? So I think mistake number two, I would say, would be not planning for the future. And, you know, uh, digital transformation was already here before, but it never really accelerated because there is a bit of that complacency prior to the pandemic that, yeah, we know it's important and everything, but let's work its way and, you know, let's, we'll get there, we'll get there. And, and so there's not enough of that, like planning to future proof. So I think with that pandemic, it's evident that we have to conduct our business in a different way. Uh, this, this huge change is here to stay. It's not temporary. It did not last a month or two or a year, right? It's it's gone on for quite a fair bit of time. So it is now the new reality. And so planning for the future and investing to ensure that you are ahead of the game, you are able to diversify your risk and more importantly, to get ahead of your competition by differentiating. And all this is through technology as the enabler and, of course, the investment that goes along with, with the mandate of we need to do this. Third mistake is ignoring the gift of data. Data is king. But what is key about data is, you know, you can have, you can hold lots and lots of data, but if you can't make sense of it all, then it's not really very useful at, at all, right? And so I think what's also important is being able to not only have that right data, being respectful of the data, but also how you make sense of it and use that in contextual knowledge to engage with your customer, to learn better about them. And uh, it's all about adding greater value to this relationship. Next mistake, I think, would be being afraid to be bold and oh, innovate. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, applying customer centricity, like what we talked about, and then the powerful context of data and then but then how do you make sense of it all and get ahead of the game, right? So that's where it comes with innovation. How do you then start to think about applying all that and, and, and finding new ways to draw those customer insights and find new solutions? Personally, to me, what is extremely important in this for organizations to, to remember is essentially you need to also create a safe culture, within your company to foster the spirit of innovation. 
And I think sometimes, you know, as companies or leadership, we sometimes lose sight of that, right? Innovation doesn't come with a button. Innovation comes from your people. And being able to create that safe culture so that it fosters the ability to take calculated risks and, and making people feel that it is safe to innovate. You will give them the space, you give them the time, you give them the empowerment to be able to, to really foster this. And this, this all starts from the top and it cascades all the way down to how you work, right? So for example, at, uh, at Twilio and my team, we have we always uh, you know, set ourselves this challenge uh, every year about, about uh, finding new ideas that we have not done before. We always ask ourselves this question like, okay, what is it that we have not done before that we can try to do, right? And then we spin up ideas and plans to think about that. And so, for example, like last year, one thing that we did decide to do was, you know, we wanted a different way to showcase our technology. And uh, we, we partnered with the One Championship team and, you know, what we did with them was we worked to showcase the Twilio technology in and feature our CEO, Jeff Lawson, in a reality TV program called The Apprentice One Championship Edition. It, it was a really fun project to work on. It was completely new. We've never done it before. Neither have the One team, but we said, all right, let's try this out. And we were trying to be bold in doing this. It aired in cable and terrestrial TV in over like 10 countries, 10 plus countries in Asia, won an award, and it's now on Netflix, oh, uh, wow. rolling out to I about over 150 countries globally. So so like, you know, that's another spirit of this innovation and being bold. Okay, so the last mistake I think that companies make is forgetting to be an authentic and responsible brand. You know, as companies, as, as much as it is important to be able to show shareholder value, it's also important to be able to place, impo- uh, you know, to, to recognize and remember that how you show up as a brand is key. You know, are you authentic? What are your values? And are you responsible economically and socially? So, you know, they, sometimes we forget that customers are a part of your community and they watch you and they decide if they want to trust you. And that trust would then serve into engagement, you know, in terms of like, would you, would they feel good if they choose to interact with you versus your competition? So those are the five mistakes that I think we should all try to avoid. <laughs> yeah, those are some really solid, solid advice. And, and I love the, uh, the uh, you, you pointing them out the way you did. I think some of the ones that you talked about really resonated with me as well in terms of being authentic, in terms of being bold. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's just, I think it's a super complete list that uh, that I think we, we should even turn it into a blog and we might do that, um, Surin. But uh, no, really, really appreciate that. Surin, before we wrap up the podcast, there are a couple of rapid fire questions I want to ask you. And I want to go through these with you uh, and, uh, and and get your feedback on these as well. So the first thing I want to ask you is what is one resource? This could be a book. This could be a podcast, a blog, whatever it is that has had a really big impact on you, both personally and professionally. Does anything come to mind? I think what comes to mind first and foremost is the book by Brene Brown called Rising Strong. I'm not sure if you're... Familiar, uh, Brene Brown's a researcher and professor, a professor and lecturer. And she's very much known for her research on shame and vulnerability. 
I, I think that, you know, what's important for me for Rising Strong is this embracing fear and failure, right? We talked about innovation, being bold and trying new things and encouraging and creating safe culture. I think what was fundamentally important as I read this book was, you know, how do you embrace it? Because sometimes you will win, sometimes you will lose. Sometimes you crash and sometimes you burn, but sometimes you win, you succeed. So how do you then start to create those uh, safe culture for yourself, for your teams, to be able to embrace the unknown. Love it. I love it. Okay, question number two. If you could only give one advice to marketers, B2B marketers, especially around customer engagement, what would it be? I think that the advice I would give is uh, on customer engagement specifically is, you know, always remember to be customer-centric. Customer centricity is going to be key in how we serve up customer engagement or how do you want to build relationship with customers. And always remember to harness the power of data. Data, data, data. Love it. Question yeah. number three is, who are some of the influencers that you follow in the sales and marketing space? I, I have uh, a few influencers or you know people that I follow in general and read and listen from in general. Um, so Guy Kawasaki is one. He is a American marketing specialist, author, venture capitalist. He also was actually on one of our events at Twilio with our CEO some months back and gave great insights about putting customers first to drive growth. And I also listened to a podcast called Design Matters by Debbie Millman. It, she speaks to the world's most creative people. And I find it fascinating to hear from people like Pete Souza, Simon Sinek, Amy Webb and all that through that. Other people that I follow, maybe not so much of marketing, sales space, but like Adam Grant is one, you know, podcast host of Work Life. You know, I'm a big fan of podcasts. So so that's one. And Angela Duckworth, uh, I think that she's she's the writer of Grit. And she's also the founder of the Character Lab, you know, that teaches about how kids can thrive, you know, building grit and, and all that. So so yeah, those those are a few people that I that I do follow. That's a great list. I love that list. All right, last thing. Last thing I want to ask is what's something that excites you about B2B today? I've been in marketing for about two decades and there has never been a down moment at all. And I, I just love thriving and the ability to just continuously learn and innovate. But what makes me really excited about B2B today, for example, is the fact that Technology is so liberating. It, you know, like the progress of MarTech, data, digital platforms has opened a completely new world for marketers. And, you know, there's so many other things that we've aspired before, but are now actually finally becoming attainable at scale, right? You know, like we want to find the least painful way to do some things. So I think the ability to be able to just do all that and really tap into new ideas and to apply into marketing programs like ABM and digital marketing areas with all that insight to engage customers as individuals is very, very exciting. Got it. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with you. I think the uh, the the variety in the B2B space and, and also the complexity in some cases of uh, of what's there makes it keep keeps you on your toes and uh, and makes things exciting. Surin, this has been an amazing conversation. You've shared so many insights and I've really enjoyed our chat. 
around customer customer engagement and and also the rapid fire questions there were solid answers so uh, i'm sure a lot of listeners are going to be enjoying as well and i just want to say thank you so much for uh for coming on the podcast all right great to be here thank you this episode of growth colony was produced by alexander hipwell it was edited by dave Samito with additional editing and music also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate on Spotify now, so please do. And share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. If you'd like to connect with the members of Growth Colony, join our free Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash slack. Thanks again for all the support and we'll see you again in the next one. This podcast is brought to you by Xgrowth, an account-based marketing agency with a strong specialization in the APAC market. If you're starting to roll out an account-based marketing initiative in your firm or looking to take your current program to the next level, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-few, or one-to-many, don't try to do it all alone. Chat with the ABM experts at Xgrowth to see how they can help you both on strategy and execution of your next ABM campaign. To find out more, head to www.xgrowth.com.au. That's www.xgrowth.com.au.